ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Do GPs have a place in your supermarket? Woolworths has announced a move into healthcare delivery with a new online portal. And through this so-called portal, you can book a same-day 15-minute virtual GP appointment, have a prescription filled and have it delivered to your home. Now, we know that accessibility to a GP is a huge issue in our struggling healthcare system in Victoria, especially in regional Victoria. And telehealth, when used properly, has been a revelation. But is this new growing online structure of doctor appointments based on a business model, not a healthcare model? We've seen a rise in online doctors, sort of one-stop shops where you have a quick consult with the GP and then you end up with a prescription, anything for medicinal cannabis, weight loss drugs or even just a doctor's certificate. And Woolworths and others are claiming that they're helping with the GP crisis. But then others argue it's more about seeing a business opportunity in a growing and changing landscape. So is it a slippery slope? of how we service people in something as important as our health. When a business provides both health advice and products for sale, does it raise ethical and regulatory questions? And some of these so-called portals have been labelled cowboys operating in telehealth and accuse them of reducing the provision of healthcare to something as simple as an algorithm under a doctor's supervision. So are they helping do supermarkets and other business startups, do they have a place in our healthcare? Is it helping with our GP shortage? Or will it create longer and bigger problems for Victorians who can't access good, quality, and affordable care? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria, this is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt. They've been labelled pill mills. So are they a solution or are they just a money-making exercise? Is it something that would help you if you can get a GP appointment and it's in connection with your supermarket? Does it really matter? And if you're in regional Victoria and you've been struggling for a really long time in order to see a GP, does this fill a gap? I guess the concern is if that gap is filled and if it's not filled properly, will it ever get filled properly? Because there is a so-called solution that's put in place. Dr. Elizabeth Devaney is the CEO of Consumer Health Forum. Elizabeth, do supermarkets have a place in healthcare? We know that Australians are very keen, as you mentioned, to be able to access healthcare in a timely fashion. And many Australians are open to considering other ways to find good health care. The question is, is this a good model for consumers? Will the access be safe? Will they get a quality service? Or will we create two, a two-tier system where you can afford to pay, you can see someone quickly, and if you can't, you wait for universal health care funded by the government? In regional and rural Victoria, you can be waiting weeks and weeks and weeks just to see a doctor for something small or something large. This could offer, there's a a supermarket in every major regional town and in some of the smaller regional towns as well. Could this actually provide some form of solution if it was done properly? 
Innovation is really important in healthcare. We know that technology is changing the way we live our lives broadly, and that includes in health. So there's always a role for looking at new models. We just do need to make sure that there aren't any commercial imperatives that mean that the, the model of care that's developed is not put in place with the best interests of Australian health consumers. So how do we do that? When you look at something like Woolworths, who's owned by West Farmers, it says very openly on their website that their main purpose is to create a good return for their stakeholders. So if they're the ones that are then providing this healthcare service, I guess that's not what you would be wanting to read as someone, as a healthcare provider. You would want the first interests to be for of the patient and for the health of the patient. So are there some conflicting interests there? Absolutely. So traditionally, Australians trust their healthcare practitioners in the local GP or the local pharmacy and the like to be giving them care that's based on clinical guidelines and good evidence, not on bottom line. So when we move into an environment where these larger players come into place, the question is, will that still remain true? We can do things like making sure that the guidelines for how these systems work are public and transparent. So would you like to know if that person on the end of the phone has a quota or a throughput or a requirement to refer for certain things or to prescribe certain things? I think we all would want to know that. So how do we make sure that if those things are in place, we know about them, buy beware, or even better, we don't have those kinds of systems in place at all. We have invited Woolworths to be a part of today's program as well. And whether it be Woolworths or just another large supermarket chain to move into the pharmaceutical world, it's a model that is overseas. And some people really like that overseas, that you can be doing your grocery shopping and you can pick up a prescription at the same time. Is this that next step into combining groceries and pharmaceuticals? Yes, we do see this in lots of other countries, in the UK, the US and other places too. I think for Australians who are used to a, a pretty fair and impartial system, the question is, is this corporatisation by stealth? So we end up with this kind of cash for care model of healthcare, which some Australians might find convenient at times, but maybe not trust as much as the more traditional models. I think the other thing for folks to think about is what will happen to the data that goes to these people who might already have a whole lot of information through your kind of frequent flyer cards that you happen to hold. How will that be held securely? Will it all be brought together? And what are the implications for that big data being used? Again, perhaps not in your own best interest. I'd be interested to know which doctors, you know, whether or not GPs are interested in working in this space, in a telehealth but under a supermarket umbrella, and what sort of GPs you're going to get putting your hand up, whether they work permanently for that particular supermarket chain, if it's straight out of university, if they're doing it on the side as a second job or of an evening. Has there been sort of any information around or even whether or not the GPs are based in Australia, I guess you could go as far as saying, Elizabeth? Well, they need to be registered in Australia for it to be counted as kind of good medical care here. And I can't comment on which kind of GPs would be interested, obviously, depending on whether people work full-time or part-time on what their other commitments are. They might find this kind of work helpful. And I, I don't think Australians would suggest that this can't happen. It's about making it happen well with ethics and transparency and always keeping consumers at the heart. And so, of course, allowing Australians to have a say in how these models should roll out and then keep a close eye on any potential uh, consequences is very important. 
There's text here that says, back on the Cowboys bandwagon, no profit, no doctors. Doctors make money. Very few, if any, are leaving, living below the poverty line. Stop insulting the ethics of doctors and pharmacists. If the consumer wins, living in rural Victoria, at least one week wait to see a GP, over $50 out of pocket. That's from Alan. Is there a lot to be, a lot to win out of this? Well, potentially, if it's done well, for people who find getting to a doctor difficult, either because of um, the delays you've mentioned or simply because of issues with um, remoteness or mobility, telehealth can be a great boon. The simple question is let's make sure that it's done really well. Thanks so much for your insights and your time today, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Dr. Elizabeth Devaney, she's the CEO of Consumers Health Forum. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt. So what do you think? What do you think? Would you like to see a GP at your local supermarket in connection with your local supermarket? Do they have a role? And in particular in regional Victoria where access to seeing a GP is really, really tight. Or do you think it's a little bit of a slippery slope if you have a business model where someone can dispense, prescribe those particular drugs or those prescriptions that you need and have them delivered to your door. Kevin's in Sunshine. Good morning. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm in Morwell. I'm not sure if I'm the right Kevin or not. Ah, sorry. Apologies, Kevin. You are too. Uh, I think it can be uh, a good idea in certain circumstances, but if you're after sort of quality care with someone who knows your own condition, I think it, it, I don't think it can work. If, if, you, if it's you're calling a doctor about an ongoing issue that's only going to be possible to be done effectively if the doctor knows you and your history but if it's something that's uh, perhaps just a, a diagnosis of something that's happening at the moment or something new and it allows people to gain access where they wouldn't be able to I think yeah I think it would be a good idea. Would you use it? Would you access it, Kevin? I mean, you're in Morwell. It's a regional area. You're fairly well serviced there. There's, you know, I mean, you lost your hospital uh, quite some time ago in Mowie. However, you, you would probably have relatively easy access to a GP. Would you use uh, a telehealth appointment through a supermarket? Um, I, I think sort of the, the fact that it's a supermarket is probably a bit of a red herring anyway. If, if you're able to access... You know, an appropriate level of care, the right level of care, as your previous uh, guest said, and you can trust the level of care you're getting uh, and you can get it quickly for something that, that isn't an ongoing issue or something that requires the doctor to know your history, I think that that, that is a good idea. But the, it, as you were saying, and I think you're probably going to talk about, maybe talk about later, that it can be misused as well if someone's trying to get that for, um, I don't know, just a write a script or uh, give them a doctor's certificate because they want some time off or something similar to that. I think that can certainly be a trade to open a can of worms as well. So, yeah, look, I'm sitting on the fence. I think it's a good good thing for in some cases, but not, not in all, I think. So, good to hear a way you. to solve all the problems. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think if it's done well, it could work. It could be helpful. Kevin, good to hear from you. Thank you. Peter Rutherford is the CEO of the Rural Doctors Association of Australia. Peter, a warm welcome to the Conversation Hour. Lots of people texting in saying, well, the UK model is very different. Supermarkets have a small pharmacy desk set up. They dispense drugs when you're given a script from a community GP and they sell over-the-counter medicines. There's no GP employed as such. Given that we have a huge GP shortage in regional Victoria... 
is this or could this be a good idea? Uh, look, I think our response is fairly conservative in this space, particularly when it's attached to um, a supermarket type environment. I mean, often, you know, we hold the position that telehealth is a, a fabulous, you know, addition to the Australian healthcare system since COVID. Um, but our position is very much that telehealth is supplementary care. It's not replacement care. And, you know, it really is best. And I heard one of your listeners sort of say, you know, when it's the GP who knows you mm. um, that's also doing the telehealth, that's where you'll get the best quality care. And I think, you know, telehealth has certainly, you know, ensured that for rural people there's additional access. Um, it ensures that people, you know, have better access to their GP and become much more compliant with, say, follow-up visits and reviews. Um, but it's not the be-all and end-all. We need to make sure we get the balance right. There are times where, you know, your GP does need to see you in person. There are also times where, you know, depending on the modality, whether it's video or telephone, um, what is the best, you know, source of telehealth um, and phone calls definitely have the place in the system but there's a lot that to be said when a doctor can you know see you um, and mm -hmm. a lot that can be said when it's the GP who knows you knows your family um, and knows a little bit more about what's going on and knows all your medical history as well. Is something better than nothing though especially for some communities? Oh, look, I think, you know, in you could say yes, but I think what we can't do is also drop the ball and go, okay, well, you've got that now, that'll do you. That's not, you know, we can't accept that, you know, um, by doing this and not then focusing on the need to address the maldistribution of our medical workforce and not, you know, we need to still address, you know, how to make general practice viable and sustainable in our rural communities. So I, I think we have to, again, make sure we do it in a balanced way and we don't sort of say to rural people mm. or people living in remote communities, oh, this is good enough. It's, you know, we still need to make sure that we address the problems that are at the heart um, and that we have, you know, access to GP services close to home. While we have you, Peter, I want to have a chat to Ken. He's called from Geelong. Good morning, Ken. What did you want to say? Good morning, Rochelle. Rochelle, I'm a 62-year-old male and I can recall in my Monash lecturer in 1981 said to me, do you know who the most powerful union in Australia is? And we all said, oh, Bill, he said, the AMA. And you know what? 40 years later, nothing has changed. So you can just wait for the, sc the screams from the AMA about this proposal. We all saw what happened when Woolies tried to do this with the pharmacy situation. They tried this a few years ago and the pharmacy blocked them. So whilst there is a commercial imperative for Woolies, and I think it's a good idea, you can just wait for the AMA to push back on this idea because of it. And what they do you, th what do you think makes it a good idea, Ken? What do you like about it? Well, you know what? The pandemic has shown us, Rochelle, the world has changed. Mm. I'm a 62-year-old and I didn't, I didn't, I'm a bit of a Luddite and I didn't particularly have to use, want to use digital stuff. But if I didn't use digital and online, nothing would have happened. Yeah, telehealth has been a huge revelation, hasn't it, especially during the pandemic. I wonder, Peter, whether 
as a GP and as someone who represents regional and rural doctors, is there starting to be a little difference between telehealth and then some of these startups, these sort of one-stop shops where you might have a really quick consult with the doctor and then you're able to get a prescription filled? It sort of feels like it's starting to part into two different ways. There's telehealth that you might have, say, with your GP for a follow-up or with a, a doctor, uh, especially if you're in regional Vic, but then this other sort of sub-world that's opening up doesn't feel like telehealth as such. Yeah, I think there is, a, I guess, you know, it's something that the Pharmacy Guild in particular has always taken a fairly strong view that there needs to be separation between prescribing and dispensing. We're starting to see that become a little bit more murky um, with some of the pilots around um, STI or um, sexually transmitted infections, um, you know, where for access, um, you know, there is um, a limited range of medications now where the pharmacists can also dispense or prescribe and dispense that type thing. Um, and that they're pilots, they are going to be monitored and evaluated. And it, there is, you know, a level of um, concern, I guess, within the medical profession and the doctors that the, we represent about ensuring that we provide quality services. And you know, we have to recognise that, you know, general practice, Woolworths and pharmacies are all businesses. Like general practice, you know, you've still got to cover your costs. Um, you've got to pay your staff. You've got to be able to afford the clinical supplies in your practice. So you've got to be able to pay for all of those things as well. Um, and for rural, that, you know, is often more expensive than what it is in, you know, many of our metropolitan centres. So there is, you know, certainly a balance to be had. Um, telehealth has definitely, you know, changed the world um, and changed certainly mm. the, the dynamics within the Australian healthcare system. But we still need to focus on the patient and what's good for the patient. Convenience is only one part of that. And what, you know, absolutely, in addition to convenience, we also need to focus on quality care. Um, and sometimes convenience and quality care aren't the same thing. I know, but some care would be better than none in some areas. And as Ken just said, he thinks it's a good idea. Just finally, Peter, are you concerned that, let's say there's areas, like I've got a text here to say, my parents live in Yanar, just out of Morwell, where we heard from the other Ken before, and they struggle to get an appointment with their Morwell-based clinic or GPs if they're unwell when it's required. The clinic struggles to retain doctors, so there's no doctor consistency because it's in a country area. They do their training or placement and then they leave, and that's from Andrea. But that's fairly consistent with a lot of regional areas. If a major supermarket was to provide telehealth and provide doctors for that regional community. Would you be concerned then that from a state government level they would consider, well, there's doctors in that area. We don't need to come up with great incentives, whether it be reducing hex or whatever it may be, to get GPs to regional areas because a solution has been put in place? Yeah, I, I guess what I'd say is that there's no one simple answer and, you know, providing a level of access doesn't necessarily mean it's the best quality access. And while I recognise the challenge, and I've lived in, you know, remote parts of Australia like Charleville and places like that, where there is, you know, the consistent challenge of recruiting the right um, workforce. But I think this government has certainly looked at mechanisms within the system to not just look at doctors being the only solution, but looking at the broader healthcare team, um, and particularly in the primary care sector, looking at, you know, what can practice nurses do? What can the pharmacists do? Mm. So looking at the whole 
team and telehealth is part of that but we also need to make sure we don't fragment care and again telehealth has a place but often when things go wrong you you know really bad things go wrong you want your gp in the town and you want a healthcare team in the town to be able to respond and unfortunately video or telephone doesn't do that so yeah but often there's not that the gp in right. town i know i just yep. wonder if there's going to be a balance here. balance right that's right peter thank you we appreciate it peter rutherford she's the ceo of the rural doctors association of australia this text is from elizabeth she's in geelong we deserve equal access to healthcare in the regions personally i need my own specific gp and my daughter too with face-to-face for our complex health issues i'm against this says elizabeth but anne's in footscray good morning anne oh good morning rochelle look i I think you've got a whole range of opinions here that's really good but it just shows this as long as this is only one thing and not the whole thing i think it would work quite well i go to i'm you know in inner melbourne and i go to a clinic where there's lots of different doctors and i see a different doctor each time and I've had really great care. I don't have a lot of complex needs. So for someone like me, going to be able to go to a supermarket and going to see a GP, that's probably really good. And I can leave the GPs for the more complex care cases. I don't know whether the GPs will be in the supermarket as such. It's more that it will be operated as so it would be a telehealth, but that they would be paid for uh, by whichever supermarket chain would go down this path but i don't think there'll be yeah a little that would be handy though wouldn't it to have a gp in your supermarket so you can (laughs) yeah get your Um, groceries and go and see a doctor at the same time totally but even at the telehealth a lot of my appointments are telehealth now Mm. and i've found for the you know non-urgent non-critical non-life-threatening needs that i have it's been great Good to hear from you, Anne. Thank you. There's a text here that says, this is such a conversation about privilege. I'm a community health nurse and a mother of a profoundly disabled child. This idea that everyone has and can easily access a local family GP is lovely, but not what's happening out there in the real world. There are so many isolated people in their homes, unable to access a doctor and suffering and suffering with ailments that can be easily fixed with an antibiotic or some kind of simple prescription. If we use these services and have prescriptions delivered to people's homes, people suffering would reduce. I'm tired of the either or and the gatekeeping that goes along with this. Look, I couldn't agree more that everybody has the right to a local family GP, but the fact, I don't know who has a local family GP anymore. I certainly don't. It's so hard. I even struggled to get a telehealth appointment with my GP just recently. It's something that is definitely more of an issue in regional Victoria. So would it really help? If it was there, was just more GPs and more telehealth appointments available, even if it happened to be through a supermarket chain. Maureen's in Morabin. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I think that you're missing some of the issues that are actually in suburban Melbourne as well. Um, if I have an issue today that I need to see a GP today, I have a regular GP. I have a regular GP practice but I would not get an appointment for at least three weeks. And that's not going to help with my background of my issues if I need an antibiotic today. So the idea of just more telehealth appointments, if it is with Woolworths or Coles or whichever supermarket, the more the better, you think, Maureen? I think that there are times when, and I'm not sure whether it's, it's, 
through a supermarket or what it is, but there has to be a way that we address the shortage of GPs. Yes, you know, I grew up in a country town, so I know about that. I know about the health care that my mother got in a country town. Um, And I know how sparse that is. But we also have difficulty accessing the same level of care here in Melbourne. And we have to find a solution. You get you get COVID. If you're over 70, you are meant to start on antivirals within five days of symptoms. What's the point of having a GP appointment in three weeks' time when you need the antivirals today? Good to hear from you, Maureen. Thank you. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt. Do supermarkets and other business startups have a place in healthcare? Is it helping with our GP shortage or will it just create longer and bigger problems for Victorians who can't access good, quality, affordable care? one three hundred triple two seven seven four. 774 This message, it says, I'm a GP in a small rural community. Telehealth has been very beneficial for many patients and my patients probably like using it more than I do. It's bulk build, no waiting long periods of time in clinics, reduced travel, but I'm very wary of its use and I'm cautious not to put patient care at risk. We need to know the patient, use it for appropriate consults like follow-up results and be very cautious, read diagnosis and treatment without examination. The role of a GP is continuity of care and understanding the complexity of the individual. Unlike a naturopath or some other health providers, we don't sell medication as it's a conflict of interest. How would this work in a supermarket? I'm worried it's a patch rather than a long-term solution and may be misused. Well, let's chat to Steve Colmer. He's a retail strategist. Steve, is this just a very clever move from a supermarket and other business startups that can see the writing on the wall that this is a growing industry and that there is a lot of money to be made as opposed to coming at it from a healthcare perspective? I think Woolworths or Coles or any major supermarket will look at it both from how does it help the community? Is this more convenient? And then they'll look at it from the point of view of, does this help our business? Does this improve our relationship with our consumers? And ultimately, for Coles and Woolworths, I mean, they've been battling with the Pharmacy Guild for about the last 30 years in attempting to change the rules and the regulations because most supermarket chains, certainly in America, have pharmacy in them. From most people that I've spoken to, they like that idea of having a pharmacy in a supermarket. Everyone but the pharmacy guild does. And the reason you and I like the idea is it is incredibly convenient. And, you know, Woolworths have tried long and hard for many, many years to lobby against the pharmacy guild without any success. And we've maintained the current standards or the current system. And, um, you know... As much as I respect and appreciate my local pharmacist and indeed what they mm. can do, I still I've got to look, I've got to look at it and go, wouldn't it be a lot more convenient for me to just drop by the pharmacy inside my local supermarket? That's I guess this is next idea. step, though. That's one argument. But today we're looking at the role of telehealth oh, and no. GPs. But I, I, of course they're combined. But that GP will then. Uh, in the middle of, you know, from as a result of that telehealth appointment, can prescribe and then dispense and deliver 
your drugs or whatever it is that you may need. I mean, that could be hugely convenient. Extraordinarily convenient. It's true that, you know, telehealth has been in our system and available to us for a number of years, but really accelerated during COVID and all the restrictions and adopted readily by the GP networks. In fact, a lot of GPs still choose to do a lot of their referral and easier um, consultations through telehealth. It makes complete sense. So for Woolworths with Healthy Life to push their way into this market area has an enormous consumer benefit. Steve, stay with us. Gabriel's called in Brighton. Good morning, Gabriel. What do you think? Do you think it's a good idea? Good morning. Uh, look, I, I have to say I don't, and that's because we're talking about health care, not health convenience. If health care was convenient, I wouldn't be four and a half hours away from my home in southern New South Wales having to get some pretty basic surgery um, for my son because we didn't have a specialist in that area. Well, but this is the closest we could get to. So health care isn't always convenient. I think we have bigger issues in that where will the resources come to source this kind of service? We know that there's already a shortage of doctors and even specialists in regional areas. So even if somebody is sitting on the other side of a screen and it's telehealth and it's supposedly convenient, that person still has to come from somewhere, whether it's out of another practice or a doctor um, or or a surgery. So I don't... I really can't see how this is actually going to help the amount of appointments that are actually available to us wherever we are, whether it's in the city or the country. There's another text, Gabrielle, that says exactly that. It simply says, where are the supermarkets going to find the GPs? They just don't exist out there. We need to improve our reliance on locums. There are so many locums that are servicing our hospitals in the regional areas, and I'm sure in the city. And it's an incredible service they provide, but it's not Mm. providing that long-term service and that care and building those long-term relationships that we need. So it's more of a systemic issue and a training issue. And as I say, healthcare should never be about convenience. It should be about care. Good on you, Gabriel. I don't know, hope everything goes well with your son. I guess it's that combination that we heard from Peter before from the Rural Doctors Association, Steve, that it's it's about sort of putting it all together. There's multiple pieces to this jigsaw puzzle and maybe having more GPs available through telehealth, whether it be through your supermarket or whoever, that's just a part of the puzzle that could help. The concern will be if it's seen as the solution. I think that's right, but I also feel that Telehealth, by its very nature, we tend to use it in a more efficient manner. And and what I mean by that is when we visit a doctor, inevitably we we end up in their waiting room for an extended period. We then end up feeling that we've been deprived, so we extend our time in their rooms. And then, of course, their, their time of day just extends and extends and extends. I mean, there's no one I don't know that doesn't experience extensive waiting time Mm. where I really feel with telehealth the whole thing becomes a lot more efficient so maybe that doctor's time is spent a lot more efficiently than it is currently that's not disputing that there's a shortage of GPs but I would also suggest that telehealth has the ability to make the GP's time and allocation a lot more efficient. Would there be any alarm bells or concerns if the GP is hired by a business, by a supermarket who predominantly their focus is to make money, that there would be prescriptions attached to every consult that you have because at the end of the day they want you to buy something? 
The reality is that the GP market is being rolled up anyway. It's being bought out by corporates and, and corporatised. So your local doctor, certainly in metropolitan markets, is being acquired by businesses and rolled up with a whole group of other um, consultancies, a whole group of other um, GP surgeries, and run at a corporate level anyway. That's happening, and that's been happening in Australia, certainly for the last five years or so. So the corporatisation of the GP's industry, if you like, is happening anyway. And whether that's a group of private equity players, mm. if you like, capitalists, or whether it's a an existing corporation like Woolworths or Coles, it's happening anyway. Good to get your perspective, Steve. We appreciate it. Thank no you. Thank you. Steve Colmar is a retail strategist. This from Roger. I think supermarkets have got enough. All local supermarkets have got local pharmacies, butchers, bakers, delis, etc. There's convenience. There's walking a few metres and there's too much power under one umbrella. And another that says perhaps graduate doctors have to compulsorily complete a year or so in general practice, especially in a regional area, before choosing a specialty. That's come through as well. Elizabeth is in Preston. Good morning, Elizabeth. Well, good morning. Um, look, I totally disagree with this um, model that there's been being proposed with Woolworths. Um, uh, the, um, we're going to head down the path of the American health system if we're not careful. And and if anyone's in the know about that, and I think most people are, that it's a, a dreadful system and it's all money-driven. And it, it, as for waiting times in um, surgeries... Uh, and you maybe lengthen your your time with the doctor, sometimes people need that Mm. to get through a difficult, um, you know, they might have a multi-systems problem. Um, I I just think it's a, um, we're going down a backwards path and we need a separation of um, money-making. Okay, doctors make money, so what? You've got to live. Um, But not, not with a big um, supermarket chain. This is, it's pretty... Yeah, there's funny. another text here, Elizabeth, that says something very similar, which it says, this sounds as if they've spotted a new source of income. Well, let's hear from Dr. Todd Cameron. He's a GP, he's the founder of M3 Health Clinics, which are in Spotswood, Ascot Vale and Bayswater. Are you concerned that we are potentially heading down an American style of healthcare if supermarkets start to offer GP consults? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting uh, listening to all the callers. There's some there's some great friction around this topic, uh, and and any time you get disruption, uh, there's an opportunity to learn. But I think it's important just to d- define what we're really talking about. So, uh, you know, when you're talking about instant scripts uh, and services like that, you're really talking about instant medication, and it shouldn't be compared to a GP consult. And in fact, in most cases, the consult will not be conducted by a GP. Uh, GP is a uh, is a postgraduate uh, specialty, and so in order to practice as a GP, you need to be a fellow of uh, one of two colleges: the Royal Australian College of GPs or uh, Australian College of Rural mm. and Remote Medicine. Uh, the doctors that work in these services actually have an APRA registration and a prescriber number. That's the only qualification. So you could get an, an OBS and gynae trainee giving you medication for your asthma. Uh, and this is where I think it's really important that we don't compare a service like this to a, a proxy for general practice because actually nothing like it. Um, and I think that's the first thing that's important to define. It's, it's interesting when you think about it because I was trying to get my head around it as well and it's 
When I was trying to explain before that it feels like there's two paths. There's telehealth, so there's those longer consults maybe with a doctor that you might already have had a face-to-face meeting with and it's a follow-up or it's the only GP you can see. And then there's those instant prescriptions, those instant medications or those really quick sort of pseudo-consults that you might yep. have with a GP for everything. You you have a, a quick consult with a GP if you're looking into anything from Botox to medicinal cannabis. You have a quick consult with a online GP. So this world of this sort of one-stop shop, GPs are there on tap online. Where are these GPs coming from? Is this a secondary source of income to maybe do these one-stop shop consults? Is it young doctors coming out? Are we going to see it maybe branch out into potentially overseas if we don't have the GPs to fill it? Yep. So I think I think there's two things there. The first thing is what you're talking about is transactional uh, encounters versus relational relational or ongoing encounters, which is traditional general practice, you know, where people know you over a prolonged period of time and they do health interventions such as preventative health, which, you know, you don't actually go in there for, but we know that, you know, you just turned over to 50 and so um, this becomes relevant for you now. We need to start doing some assessment, investigation, talk about family history or social circumstances, whereas those other things are all transactional. So you enter it with an intent. I am going to go to this script service because I want to get script A, B and C. So the reviews and the uh, and the rest of the treatment that is non-medication just doesn't happen because uh, it can't happen. The service is not engineered for that. And I think, Rochelle, it's just really important we don't call these people uh, GPs because they're just doctors. Um, they're mostly going to be undifferentiated junior doctors that are doing this in between their normal job because it doesn't use the MBS. There are actually multiple layers of protection that people are missing out on. So uh, normally what happens, right, if you have the MBS, then that, that determines who can provide you what care in what location. Because it's private, you completely bypass all of the normal rules. So you can get a hospital-based junior doctor in uh, neurosurgical training providing um, pill prescriptions or providing you know something that is completely out of their wheelhouse that would never happen in real life uh, because they're the cheapest doctors to buy you know they the mission here is to deliver prescriptions you really want to reduce your overhead which means getting junior doctors that ordinarily would not be allowed to do those things and that's why APRA is coming down on them and the insurers are coming down on them as well and saying well we don't think this is the best type of medicine it's certainly higher risk uh and and the transactions you know the transactional nature of it means that it is geared towards giving people the things they ask for and one of the previous callers talked about the fact that uh we're, we're heading towards an americanized sort of style of medicine you know, america is the worst of all worlds it's the most expensive healthcare in the world and they have the worst outcomes of the top 10 oecd countries in terms of uh, measurable outcomes and that's because they don't have primary care they, they have people um that are experts in their field so they have um, non-gp specialists that are seeing people when they present with a cough they go to a respiratory specialist mm. um it's really important to have a high quality primary care layer uh, to act as as gatekeeper and an efficient provider of whole of person care um, if we fragment that then we will have deserved the outcome that we get and uh, the, at the moment healthcare is being poorly treated general practice uh, in particular by the federal government they've made some inroads to speaking about the right things but until we upgrade that and improve the access that all these people are talking about 
and equitable access, then we're going to continue to get sort of yeah, startup. It's the equitable like access that I think is the major issue here. Todd, it's always great to speak with you. We appreciate you stepping out from patients. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rochelle. Dr. Bye. Todd Cameron is a GP and founder of M3 Health Clinics. This from Gina. As if Coles and Woolies and other supermarkets haven't already got the lion's share of the grocery market as it is, now thinking of dipping into the medical field is just another way to boost their already huge profits and make their shareholders even richer. It's a no from me. And another that says, reminds me of super clinics. Quick, easy problems sorted quickly, but complex problems left for the GP clinics. Well, maybe that's not a bad thing if it is just short and quick. Ron has called through. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. I'm being treated for a stroke at the moment. Uh, When I had a term recently, I could hardly pick up the phone to ring the doctor. And the doctor treated it as um, dehydration. When I was feeling a bit better, I went to another doctor. The other doctor said, you should have had an ambulance straight away. I got checked from a cardiologist and also a neurosurgeon. I just had an MRI and yes, I've had a mini stroke. So, yeah, look, you've got to be very careful. As I explained everything, I could hardly pick up the phone. I didn't have the strength. And that doctor didn't follow up at all did not follow up to see how I was going or anything. So be very careful. You do. Uh, and telehealth is certainly not the single answer. Oh, Ron, I'm so sorry, and I wish you all the best with your health. Thank you for your call. Let's have a chat with Helen. Helen's in Donnybrook. Good morning, Helen. Oh, good morning. I'll just take your speaker. Yes, good morning. I just wanted to say we live in an outer northern Melbourne suburb of Donnybrook, and we found to be quite fortunate with the... Um, GP services that we've managed to link in with. The GP is wonderful and um, we have a monthly appointment booked with her, mainly because of my husband's needs. He has Parkinson's. But she's prepared to do that for people so that she can do a follow-up. If you don't need the appointment, you just ring and cancel it. But she sets it in train which is fantastic. Oh, you're really lucky to be able to have that access to a GP and to be able to get in because it's really rare for people to have that. John Wordle is a professor of public health. He's at Southern Cross University. John, you've been looking into this. I've got all conflicting opinions coming through from it would be great, it would just be easy access for me to be able to get a prescription, it would be convenient, through to people saying this text, for example, saying, G'day, frankly, trying to dismiss concerns uh, about this concept as the term of disruptor should worry everyone what do you think lots of people saying this is an absolute no way for me supermarkets shouldn't be in the health sector what's your opinion yeah look it's a really complex issue and i think you've nailed it on the head there that you know this is obviously responding to a a very real need in the community for for more accessible uh care um you know i live in a regional area myself uh had a recent family uh, incident requiring pretty urgent care and not a GP to be found for two weeks. So, um, you know, telehealth services, um, access accessible services uh, and services that can actually be um, more responsive to, mm. to, to consumer needs are, are definitely required. Uh, I guess the real issue is, is this the right model? Um, you know, do we need to be worried about, you know, the, the provider of prescriptions and, and, and the, the person prescribing those prescriptions uh, being so linked, uh, you know, is, is the corporate sort of uh, arrangement uh, something that we actually want to monitor? So I think it, it is meeting the need, but we just have to really identify whether this is the right way to meet that need. 
Does there need to be a combination? Because you're right in that there is a real need. We have a huge shortage of GPs and we know that the number of people going through medicine and going through med school are just not graduating or wanting to become GPs and going into general practice. So there's a bigger issue there at play that needs to be addressed. One concern initially that I sort of thought of was if we start to fill the holes in particular in regional areas and outer suburban Melbourne where there's no GPs, the local supermarket says, that's okay, we offer telehealth with a, a range of doctors at our supermarket. Does that then take pressure off state government, off federal government to do more? Because there's a solution that's already there now. Uh, well, look, there is a solution, but it's a solution very removed from, from you know, primary healthcare, uh, healthcare funding that itself creates accessibility issues. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I heard your last um uh, guest speaking about the Americanization of 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 healthcare, the potential uh, you know profit motivation actually being a big part of this, and looking at there are services that run telehealth uh, options to reduce the burden on, on on the public health system very well. The NHS Scotland, for example, mm. uh, a lot of the island and highlands communities actually rely on telehealth, and and not yeah, just from medical practitioners. Actually, um, you know, assistants actually working with medical practitioners in urban areas to actually provide care to uh, to those groups. So, you know, I think there's a bigger discussion um, of you know, are we utilising um, other healthcare practitioner types as, as as much as we could? I know, I know the pharmacy <laughs> medicine debate uh, is, is certainly one that's. Um, very political at the moment, but it is actually something we should probably think about. Are there some things that other practitioner types can be doing to, uh, you know, reduce the strain on on doctors doing, you know, what really aren't tasks that are really valuing the knowledge that that that, that general practitioners have, um, and you know, allowing other people to step into that into that gap. Good to get your thoughts on this, John. Thank you. John Wardle there is a professor of public health at Southern Cross University. Dr Ardell Aziz is the deputy chair of the RACGP, which is the Victorian branch of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Lots of people are happy about this. Lots of people are concerned about this. One thing that we haven't even touched on at the moment yet, Ardell, is people's concerns around medical and personal data that would be in the hands of sort of massive organisations that already maybe have links to misusing uh, information or to security hacks. I'm presuming that you're probably going to come into this with lots of red flags and concerns. <laughs> well, first of all, Rachel, thank you for having me on and amazing job that you've done today. I'm just listening to your amazing uh, show and I think you're probably going to have to do a part two because there's so much interest here. Um, look, data is an obvious flag. Um, the, the data privacy is massive. Everybody knows this. I don't think we need to argue that point. But I'll just really, uh, you know, highlight a few key points and flags that, that as, a, as, a, as a representative of the RICGB, um, that I should probably point out listening to everybody's uh, fears. Uh, just a bit of background, I used to live in the States as a doctor and I, I know that system very well and I would love Australia to stay well clear of that system because it definitely does not lead to good healthcare outcomes and it's a very, very expensive system. So as a famous boxer, Mike Tyson once said, everybody's a plan until they get you punched in the face. What I mean by that is, you know, everything sounds good in principle, but there are lots and lots and lots of problems. So, for example, when a patient comes to me with a cough or a cold, or just for a script, I'll not only do that consult, but I'll also check the last blood, the pap smear, the skin check, breast check, fecal alcohol blood, the bowel test screening process, cancer, update their family history, check their smoking, um, alcohol history, immunizations, and all these other things that I do. The flags, the dangers are obviously drug interactions, family history that a, a locum doctor may not know about, 
um, and basically no continued care and disconnect. There's also a massive problem with indemnity insurance. A lot of these clinics, like, we're, we're covered by, we pay a lot of premiums for indemnity insurance because we, we have multiple standards of care that we have to, we have massive hoops that we have to mm. jump through. And then what are you going to do when something goes wrong? Who's getting sued? Is it Woolies or is it the doctor? And believe me, it's always the doctor. So you're going to have, to have a lot of doctors being fearful of joining, you know, slightly flat where companies. Will, I'm not, I'm not. Where will the doctors come from? Where where will the the general practitioners, or actually the doctors, as Todd said, they're not going to be GPs, the doctors. I'm I'm just about to get there. So I'm not anti-telemedicine. I'm actually pro-telemedicine. I've done telemedicine for about seven years now. I used to live in rural Queensland. And we had patients drive to me for four hours just because they couldn't find a local doctor. And I therefore continued doing telemedicine. And obviously in COVID, it blew up, right? So everybody became more normal, whereas earlier I used to be one of these you know, oh, you do telemedicine, are you, are you a proper doctor? And now it's the standard. So I'm not anti-telemedicine at all. So it's not actually location that's the issue. It's not really you do it at Coles, the Woolies, your local flower shop. The problem is continuity of care, you know, and of course qualifications as one of the other speakers mentioned, you know. We are through colleges, the RCGP, the Royal, uh, the Royal Rural uh, College as well. The solution, everyone's talking about solution. What is the solution? Because definitely an accurate chart of doctors. The solution is funding for primary care. There's a huge gap between GP specialists, which is your general practitioner, and other specialists. So every single medical student, when they have to work the same number of hours and do the same number of exams and spend the same number of years studying, at the end of that road, when they have to make a decision becoming, becoming a neurosurgeon, an ENT surgeon, or a general practitioner, they, of course they're going to go for the, for the specialty that gives them double the money. And I have patients come and talk to me about, oh, you doctors are just greedy trying to argue for more money when we switch from bulk billing to private billing. No, we're not greedy. We're just trying to make sure you guys have health care. And if we, don't have, if we don't have an attractive GP job, we are not as Australians, not just in Victoria or in Australia. We're not going to have GPs coming into the system, young doctors. We need to be able to attract young doctors so we can have ongoing services for all Australians. And I think that's the solution. Good to hear from you as well. Dr. Adil Aziz, who is the Deputy Chair of the Victorian Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Let's quickly squeeze in, Luke, apologies to people who we couldn't get through today. Luke, if you're quick, what did you want to add? Hi, Rochelle. Um, I'm, I'm a paramedic. I just want to um, raise awareness among your listeners about the Victorian Virtual Emergency Department, which is... Uh, accessible for all Victorians so if they're uh, having trouble getting onto a doctor um, and uh, they feel like they need to call triple zero the, the alternative is the Victorian Virtual Emergency Department which will yeah. uh, absolutely good to, on you good to, to remind doctor. us of that Luke you guys do incredible work and if you go back through the conversation our feed our podcast which is on the ABC listen up we've done quite a few shows on virtual health and we did heaps on virtual emergency and just how incredible the work is what you do and we've done other programs on regional health on telehealth across the regions as well so if we didn't cover an area today that you thought we should have go back through the conversation our podcast go to the ABC listen up and you can subscribe to the conversation and there's lots of different programs that will take you down different paths I'll be back with you tomorrow and tomorrow we're looking at whether or not regulation of short stays will have an impact on tourism and who's consulted when it comes to some of the new rules around short stays. Take care and I'll speak with you tomorrow.